Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguda, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. We are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguda, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be talking Ainsley Maitland-Niles. We're going to be talking about the European Super League fines that are going to be dished out to those Premier League clubs who tried to make a run for it. We're also going to be bringing you a little bit of an update on the situation regarding Granite Xhaka, as well as taking your questions in the second part of the show. Uh, first of all, just want to steer you all towards my previous uh, podcast video, depending on what platform you take them from, uh, which is my Euro 2020 group stage predictions. Uh, so head over to that, check it out. It's the first bit of content we're going to be bringing you uh, talking about the European Championships. I said that we'd be bringing you full coverage of it, and we're going to do exactly that starting tomorrow, 8 a.m., Right here, we'll be live and we'll be looking ahead to that opening game uh, between Italy and Turkey that will take place in Rome on Friday night. But we'll also be bringing you up to date on all the latest news stories, all the latest bits and pieces with regards to all the teams competing in the tournament with a big kickoff just around the corner. Right, we're going to kick off this one by discussing Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Of course, the um, Arsenal man spent the second part of last season out on loan at West Bromwich Albion, and he's been discussing his future with The Telegraph. Ainsley Maitland-Niles said, if I was to get a phone call from someone at Arsenal and they said they'd like a meeting tomorrow, then it would be easier that way. They can tell me whether they've got plans to play me in the future if they want to sell me. Sorry, they could tell me whether they've got plans to play me in the future or if they want to sell me. I've heard they want to make some space in the squad and raise some money. So I'm not sure. I want a decision. I want some clarity. And then hopefully I can get to work with whoever I need to get to work with. Whether that is finding a new club or whether that is carrying on with my training, I would like to see some indication of what is happening, where they see me. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, then kiss Arsenal goodbye. It's been a long journey, but a proud one at that. Maybe they still want to do something and things could change. If not, there's always other teams. So Ainsley Maitland-Niles is, I understand he's in a difficult situation, right? I, I get it with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. You know, he he was stopped from joining Wolves. You know, Wolves came in and, and made an offer at the start of this, of last season. Ran about £15 million was what was said. Arsenal didn't want to let him go. Arsenal kept hold of him. And then come January, he was sent out on loan and he was sent out on loan to West Bromwich Albion. Now, you know, Maitland-Niles has been a decent servant for Arsenal. OK, he's filled in at right back. He's filled in at left back. We know that in an ideal world, Ainsley Maitland-Niles wants to play in midfield. But I'll tell you what, Ainsley... I. I don't think he's good enough. I don't think you're good enough. I don't think Ainsley Maitland-Niles is a good enough central midfield player. 
to hold down a regular role in in a midfield for anybody really in the top half of the table and that is why that is why he ended up joining West Bromwich Albion you know it feels like his almost obsession with playing in the center of midfield actually might prove to be his undoing and I get you know in anything you do you want to do it with your heart you want to do it with your heart being in it you want to give it your all you want to give it your best and as a footballer you want to feel like you have the best chance to succeed of course you do but in Ainsley Maitland-Niles' case, I genuinely think that what he brings to the table that many others don't and why he was ahead of so many in the pecking order at Arsenal and will go on to be ahead of people in the pecking order at other clubs wherever he ends up is his ability to play in different positions. He's a utility man. That's what Ainsley Maitland-Niles is. But he doesn't want to accept that. He doesn't want to be that. And I get it. You know, there's a risk of being a bit of a, jack of all trades and a master of none. So I do I do understand why Maitland-Niles is set on playing in midfield and doesn't want to be this player that just plugs holes for managers. But you could go on to have a really successful career doing that. And, and there have been many over the years who have been able to fill in for managers in various different positions, have become managers' favourites, have moved from club to club with those particular managers and have enjoyed incredibly successful careers. And I think almost for me, when I think about Maitland-Niles, the whole midfield thing, that ship has sailed for me. Um, you know, he opted to join West Brom over a couple of other clubs that were interested in him during that sort of uh, that period. But it was a mistake. You know, it, 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 honestly, it was a mistake because he joined those clubs. Sorry, he joined West Brom on the basis that Sam Allardyce promised he would play him in midfield. But you went and played in a team that essentially, and I said, I remember saying this at the time, essentially bypasses the midfield when they play football because they are so direct. A team who rarely have sustained periods of possession, in which case, what hope, what chance does a midfielder have of, you know, of actually stamping his authority on the game? I just think it was such a bad fit. I, I really do. I like, as I keep saying, the versatility that Ainsley Maitland-Niles brings. But what I've never liked about Ainsley Maitland-Niles is his attitude. And I think it's important to, you know, when it's a written interview, it's quite important to try and be open-minded about the context in which things were said about the, um, you know, about the tone because it is a written interview and it's very difficult to kind of break it down and understand. But there are just a couple of bits in that interview from Ainsley Maitland-Niles that I don't really like the tone of. And some people will say I'm being nitpicky here and, and maybe I am, maybe because I've got, I'm not going to say a preconception, but I've already got thoughts about Ainsley Maitland-Niles and, and about his time at Arsenal and how, in my view, he could have gone on to be a very successful player for the Arsenal had he been willing to um, you know, to 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 bend that kind of philosophy that he has in his head, that idea of playing as a, a central midfield player, which was never going to happen at Arsenal. But let's be honest, it's not going to happen at any of the uh, of the big clubs. You know, you talk about sort of looking further down the line in terms of size of clubs. You're looking at the Everton's, the Aston Villas. Would Dean Smith pop Ainsley Maitland-Niles in the middle of the Aston Villas midfield? I don't think so. Would Everton? No, probably not. Would Tottenham? No, absolutely not. So 
is if he's obsessed and really desperately wants to play in this centre midfield position, then Ainsley Maitland-Niles is going to have to drop a level. And 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 is he is he willing to do that? We've heard that Crystal Palace have an interest in Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Brad Richardson points it out as well in the chat and asks if Crystal Palace is his level, and you know maybe it is. But even still, I'm not sure that if I was the Crystal Palace boss, whoever that's going to be, I would want to spend a significant amount of my transfer budget on Ainsley Maitland-Niles to come in as a midfielder. And and let me go back because I, I just digressed a little bit, but let me go back to this interview and the couple of bits that for me um, didn't make sense. I completely understand that he wants a decision. I completely understand the call for clarity. I think he's absolutely well within his rights to want those things. There's a couple of phrases, though, that I don't like in this. Um, first of all, he says they can tell me whether they've got plans to play me in the future or if they want to sell me. And that's fine. Then he goes on to say, I've heard they want to make some space and some money, so I'm not sure. They want to make space because basically the current group are not good enough. They want to make space because they need to bring players in, players to replace the ones that haven't been good enough over the years, i.e. not just Ainsley Maitland-Niles, but he is one of them. And then I didn't like the bit where he says, where is it, where is it? Uh, Just scrolling through. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, then kiss Arsenal goodbye. Kiss Arsenal goodbye. Kiss Arsenal goodbye. Ainsley Maitland-Niles says, if it doesn't, then kiss Arsenal goodbye. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. I hate that phrase, kiss Arsenal goodbye, as if it's like some girlfriend that you're just kind of like brushing off because she's just betrayed you or or let you down one too many times. I, I didn't like that. Not at all. Arsenal Football Club have given Ainsley Maitland-Niles everything. Ainsley Maitland-Niles wouldn't have been linked with any of these clubs had he not been given opportunities by Arsenal Football Club. Because when I look at Ainsley Maitland-Niles, he doesn't look at, he doesn't come across to me as the kind of person who, you know, always applies himself to the maximum, always displays the correct attitude, always works incredibly hard and therefore got his reward. I actually think he was quite lucky to get put into the team in the first place and out of Desperate, a combination of desperation and poor recruitment. He ended up playing a lot of games for the football club, some of which he played very, very well, but a lot of which he played poorly in. And the fact that he ended up going to West Brom on loan reflected for me how he was viewed by the rest of the Premier League in that as a utility man, Ainsley Maitland-Niles can be quite a useful member of the squad. But as a central midfielder, Ainsley Maitland-Niles is nothing more than average. He's never proved to be anything more than average. And so to say, to, to throw in a comment like, kiss Arsenal goodbye, I just found really, um, uh, really disrespectful. And again, look, I said it when I first started reading through the interview that you do have to take these comments with a pinch of salt and understand that they may not have been meant in the context of which they were at which they came across because of course it is a written interview but I, I you know I, I just didn't like that um and then he says 
Maybe they still want to do something and things could change. If not, there's always other teams. You know, he's not once said, you know, I'd love to be back at Arsenal. I've grown up at Arsenal. Arsenal is my football club and I prefer to play for Arsenal Football Club. But if I'm not going to get opportunities, I have to put my career first. I have to think about me and I have to move forward. He's not said any of that. He's literally made it out as if he doesn't care, as if he doesn't care whether Arsenal decide to keep him or not. Get rid. Get rid of him. Um, you know, I've compared him to other players in the past. I've, I've compared him to Bukayo Saka quite a bit in terms of their contrasting attitudes. The fact that Bukayo Saka came into the side and played as a fullback in a position foreign to him, um, in a position that he didn't necessarily want to play in because it gave him an opportunity to break into the first team. And look how he's kicked on since then. And then you had Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who, yes, put up with it and did play in different positions and, and did what was asked of him by the manager, but also spent a large majority of that time complaining about it, complaining about the fact that he wasn't playing in his preferred position, moaning about the fact that he wanted to play in midfield. I must apologise to those of you watching on YouTube because there's a massive glare in my face. I, I, I started the video and, and didn't think that the sun would be coming down through that window that is right to my right, so I do apologise. But, yeah, um, I, I didn't like the comments from Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and, and I don't believe Ainsley Maitland-Niles is going to go on to achieve anything particular, particularly special in his career because of that, because I think his attitude does let him down. I think he feels, and maybe this is what happens when players come through at a really young age and become first-team regulars pretty quickly, but I feel like Ainsley Maitland-Niles values himself or feels as though he's got this divine right to play at a top club and in the position that he wants to play in. And I don't feel he's at that point. I don't think he's ever been at that point. I don't think he's shown enough over the course of his Arsenal career um, to, you know, to warrant being given that and to warrant being given that kind of luxury and and, and freedom to basically essentially do whatever he wants. Look, I wish him all the best. You know, the writing's on the wall as far as Ainsley Maitland-Niles is concerned for me. Um, Probably should have been sold at the start of last season. Failing that probably should have been sold in January. Failing that it should be sold this summer. I do wonder though, just with with Arsenal's reported interest in um, in Ruben Neves, I do I do wonder if Ainsley Maitland-Niles could be used as a make weight in that. Given Wolves's historic uh, sort of interest in Maitland-Niles, will that change with the new manager? Uh, we don't know, but I just it's something to consider. Um, let's move on to talk about the Super League. And of course, the Super League failed and it failed bloody miserably and thank bloody God for that. But um, it's been revealed today that the Premier League clubs are set to be handed a, a fine, a combined fine of around about £20 million, which, co which divided between those who participated, it comes to about £3.5 million. Now, listen, at this point, given Arsenal's sort of financial situation, given that we need Arsenal to spend money in the transfer window. And I don't actually think that we've got that money to be able to do what it is we want to do. My God, this glare is terrible. I do apologise. Um, obviously, I don't want to see Arsenal laying out money and paying for things that 
we don't need to be paying for. You know, we're already in a difficult spot as it is. But it, I, I think these clubs have got away with this so lightly, so lightly. Three and a half million pounds, it's chump change to these football clubs. And what they tried to do could have had potentially catastrophic repercussions on not just the English game, but the European game. It was selfish. It was unprecedented. It was a disgrace. An absolute disgrace. And a three and a half million pound just doesn't feel like enough of a deterrent for me to stop these teams doing it again. The report then goes on to say that in future, if they were to attempt the same thing, um, they would be fined 20 million pounds each and they could face up to a 30 point deduction. So you can see that obviously it, it means something to the Premier League in terms of giving them a forewarning. But as I've always said all along, the Premier League as a product um, would suffer without these teams. And I think as a consequence of the authorities knowing that and knowing that full well, they've been lenient because they're scared of pissing them off, to be quite frank. Um, and that's 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 the reality. Um, that's the reality. No, Nishit says three. I thought it was 20. The 20 million figure that has been quoted is for all of those clubs combined. I'm just moving um, so that I don't have to deal with this bloody glare. It's in my face. It's been horrendous throughout the stream, so I do apologise. But yeah, uh, three and a half million is um, is what each of the Premier League clubs are going to have to cough up. And 20 million is an overall combined fine that they're all going to have to deal with, which is just mad. Uh, Dyer A says, uh, whose side are you on? That's three million from our transfer budget. I said right at the beginning of, the, of this section that obviously I don't want Arsenal to have to fork out money. I'd rather they spend it on transfers. But equally, this is so much bigger than tribalism. This is so much bigger than Arsenal. This was so much bigger than any one individual club. This threatened to ruin football. Um, as we knew it, as we know it, as we love it. And it's not enough of a deterrent for me. If 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 the Premier League, had t- can you imagine the Premier League had turned around and said, we're going to deduct you all 10 points at the start of next season. How much of an exciting Premier League race would that have been? Not It doesn't benefit us because we're a fucking million miles behind the top sides anyway. But for the likes of Leicester, for the likes of Villa, Everton, um, West Ham, that would have been pretty exciting, wouldn't it? Had the big six been deducted some points and therefore uh, those guys would have had a greater chance of, of remaining at the very, very top of the table. But anyway, look, I don't want Arsenal to be deducted points. I don't want Arsenal to have to pay out a massive fine, but I do think that we've got away very, very lightly with that one. And I think that's, the, you know, that's the bottom line of it. I, I don't think there's any other kind of um, way of looking at it. You know, yes, you can be happy that your team aren't going to be majorly impacted and majorly affected, but you can't tell me that's a a strong enough deterrent. And look, the threat of a 30-point deduction in the future um, might make these teams think twice again, but realistically, it's all about the money and that's what matters most. And three million, three and a half million, whatever it is, it's not... um, It's not a big enough deterrent. And I think there'll be other Premier League clubs and other clubs sort of maybe perhaps lower down the footballing pyramid will be looking at that and going, how on earth have they got away with that? Well, as I said, the Premier League and English football is half the product. It is now without um, 
without those clubs. And that's why they're so afraid of, of pissing them off, to be honest. Uh, Matt Tomo, big hello to you, Matt. How you doing, mate? He says, I grew up an American sports fan and fell in love with the Premier League later in life because of how different it was from American sports. And the Super League almost ruined that. So glad it's done. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more, mate. Get your questions in. I'm going to pick up a couple of questions just before we uh, we jump off. Uh, but just a quick summary of uh, what we've been discussing. So we've been talking, first of all, about Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Um, you know, I wish him all the best, but it's come to the end of the cycle for Ainsley Maitland-Niles with Arsenal, in my opinion. And, uh, of course, we talked about the Super League and the three and a half million pounds Arsenal are going to have to cough up towards that fine. I did say, and I almost forgot, that I would give you guys an update on the Granite Xhaka situation. Uh, you know, he is edging closer towards an exit. Roma is the destination for Xhaka. Um, we heard earlier this evening uh, that there was some personal terms had been agreed. And we heard um, a little bit earlier on today that uh, that he had made it very, very clear to his representatives that he wanted this deal to be done. And there was a, I think it was Charles Watts that reported it. There was an openness to the transfer being done and a willingness to conclude it as quickly as possible from all sides, which obviously helps things. Um, from what we've seen kind of this evening in terms of reports, it seems uh, that the agreement is going to be around about 18 million euros, which is around about 15 and a half million pounds, but it will include some bonuses as well. I still think Arsenal being sold short here. And when you're talking, think about it this way, right? And I know a lot of people don't like Granite Xhaka. And I know a lot of people are kind of on the fence about Ruben Neves being the man to, to replace him. Well, think about it this way. Ruben Neves is going to cost, if you go by this, this figure, Ruben Neves could end up costing more than double what Granite Xhaka is going to get sold for. So you're having to sell Granite Xhaka and essentially double that money to bring in the replacement. Is Neves that much better than Xhaka that it's worthwhile doing that? I'd argue it's not. But we are in a position with Xhaka where, whilst I think he had a very good season last season, he's best in an Arsenal shirt yet, was a very important player, a very key part of the good things that we did last season. We all accept that it's the end of the road, that for him, it's the end of the road. He wants to go. He's not been happy for quite some time now. In fact, I'm surprised he stayed this long. And it's, it's time for Arsenal to, to move on. And, and that's what's driving this more than the money, in my opinion. You know, maybe Arsenal would have looked to sell him anyway to raise some money. But the whole idea of allowing him to go in this kind of low price deal based on how important he is to the side is, is, is purely, is surely, surely driven by the fact that he's made it clear he wants to go. Arsenal are open to the fact he wants to go. And it's just an acceptance from all angles that this is the right thing to do. Let's go over to the live chat. Big thank you to Myron for your very kind super chat donation, mate. He says, we said yes to the money long ago, too late now. And let's not get to thinking these big clubs were the problem. UEFA and FIFA should be fine. They're all the problem, Myron. It's greed um, across the board. And that's why football's become what it is now. It's why football's not as appealing as it maybe was you know, 15, 20 years ago. It's a very different place now, a very different landscape. And whilst the pandemic was not a good thing, the only positive that might come out of it yet is that football 
may reset a little bit because they've realized what happens when there's no fans. They've realized the importance of the fans and they've been financially hit. And now maybe clubs from fear of something like this occurring again would think twice about spending ridiculous transfer fees on players. There will be some deals like that over the course of the summer. There's no doubt about it. But in general, as a general comment, I think you could see football go through a little bit of a reset. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. JG says, if we were to get sixth or seventh place next season, but won the FA Cup with Arteta being back this summer, would you keep him? No. Um, if he is backed properly, he needs to challenge for the top four. And by challenge, I mean be in the race, be in the hunt right until the very end. Sixth or seventh isn't going to cut it for me. Um, but if he's not backed, then it's a different story, isn't it? Uh, what else have we got here? Um, let's see what we got here uh matt says why haven't arsenal had many youth team players that have broken to the first team it's a good point there seems to be a disconnect in the production line uh not sure but i gotta be honest matt there are probably people out there that watch a lot more of the youth sides than i do and will probably be able to give you a bit more insight into that um it's, it's tough isn't it when you're Wanting to compete at the top level is, you know, international superstars are crowding out the places. It's very different. Football is not what it used to be. Um, but it's a valid point and a good observation. Uh, let's uh, see what else you guys are saying. Matt says, great show again. We seem to sell cheap. Maybe that's the way it's going. Barcelona seem to be in trouble now. Who would you take? Yeah, look, Matt, I've been beating that drum for, for a good couple of weeks now that we are going to have to sell cheap or cheaper than we had hoped. and many other clubs are going to be in the same boat because that's just the reality of what this pandemic has done to our sport. It's not necessarily a bad thing that our sport, as I say, might need to go through a little bit of a reset, but it is the way of the world right now. Um, and it does feel like it is the way we're going. Barcelona seem to be in trouble. You say, who would you take? There are a few clubs on the continent who are really, really struggling at the moment. I mean, you've seen Inter, you know, they were on, cloud nine just what two months ago a month ago this time last month they were on cloud nine they just won the scudetto for the first time in over a decade they had the guy i believe to be pound for pound the best manager in world football at the moment at the helm some incredible players in romelu lukaku nicolo barella and people like ashraf hakimi and then you fast forward and because of the covid impact because of the of what happens when you don't run a football club properly. They've lost Conte. They've lost Hakimi. And who else? You know, you, you don't know who else they're going to lose. See what else we've got here. Um, Matt says, uh, is it just me or did Ainsley Maitland-Niles deserve a few more chances after somebody's great performances at right back? Was he that strongly against playing the position? Yeah, this is the thing. Um, I keep saying it and I said it, earlier in the show, and I'll just quickly repeat it. Ainsley Maitland-Niles is someone to me who is the a, a brilliant utility man and should have been more accepting, I believe, of playing in that position if he wanted to play at a big club. He has gone searching this pipe dream of him becoming a top-class centre midfielder, which simply isn't going to happen. He doesn't have the attributes. He went to West Brom. He played okay, but he was, you know, at West Brom. They, they were relegated. They were bypassing the midfield more often than not. I keep saying that, but it's absolutely true. And he didn't shine. 
and and now he thinks that he's like at this top top level and the reality is that his stock has been damaged so badly by constantly complaining about not wanting to play in certain positions and then opting to join West Brom over Southampton because he was promised by Big Sam he could play in in that position which is what we were led to believe it for me you know I think he's done himself damage I really do uh, I'm going to pick up one more question before we jump off. Uh, Brad says, what's the minimum you'd expect from this transfer window? Do you mean in terms of incomings? I want at least two centre midfielders, especially if Xhaka's going, and at least a left back. Right back, we've got Chambers, we've got Cedric. It's not the end of the world. Um, yeah, I think a left back and two centre midfielders. If I could, that's the minimum that I want. I'd love a few more, but that's the minimum I would want for sure. Right, going to leave it there. Don't forget, if you haven't done so already, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel if you are new. Um, and I'll be back tomorrow, 8 a.m. Come and join me right here, live on the channel, 8 a.m. UK time for our first Euros coffee morning. Looking forward to that. And then, of course, we'll be bringing you Arsenal content throughout the day so there'll be a stream at around about lunchtime and one at around about 5 p.m as well so busy busy day for me tomorrow but looking forward to bringing you guys all sorts of content as we continue to keep you across um the arsenal transfers and across uh the european championships omar i'm not ignoring your questions mate i just i picked that random i didn't even realize apologies um not ignoring anyone's questions never do right i'll catch you later take care listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.